Links Productions presents the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Avengers Rewatch with your hosts, Justin and Mark. Join us as we watch Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers, fight to save mankind in preparation for the galaxy's biggest threat, Thanos. Welcome everyone to the Marvel Avengers Rewatch series with the Credulous Nerds. Today we'll be talking about Thor, the Dark World. As always, my name is Justin and I have my co-host with me, Mark. Hey guys, what's up? And today we'll be talking about Thor, the Dark World. This is the eighth episode in our Avengers Rewatch series. And to give a little background on this film, it came out in 2013 and was directed by Alan Taylor. And I'd never heard of Alan Taylor before, so I kind of looked him up on IMDb, as we always do. And he's directed a lot of TV shows uh, that we've heard of, such as Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Sex in the City, The Sopranos, from way back in the day. As far as movies, the most recent and probably notable has been Terminator Genesis, which was the most recent Terminator. Um... So not a huge body of work as far as movies goes, but he's, he's got some experience with TV. Uh, as far as who's starring in the movie, we got the returning cast from Thor. Uh, we got Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, Anthony Hopkins plays Odin, Tom Hiddleston is back as Loki, and then we also got... Jamie uh, Alexander. Jamie Alexander. She's back. hot. <laughs> she plays yep. Sif. Sif. Then we got uh, the characters who hang out with Thor. We got Ray Stevenson as Volstagg, Tabanobu Asano as Hogan, uh, and then Jamie Alexander as Sif. And then we got playing Fandral this time, Zachary Levi, who's a different actor than the, in the first Thor. Uh, we got Idris Elba back as Heimdall. Renee Russo reprises her role as Thor's mother, Frigga. And then Kat Dennings is back as Darcy Lewis. And Stellan Skarsgård is back as Dr. Eric Selvig. And we are introduced to Christopher Eccleston, who plays the villain Malekith, the dark elf Malekith. So, a lot of new characters as well as a lot of old ones that was a good good casting for this movie uh once again this is a disney marvel studios film and this is the first film without the paramount logo and from here on out they are all disney marvel studios films so we will no longer be addressing that uh with the last film uh iron man 3 they transitioned over bought out paramount for millions of dollars and from here on out, they're Disney movies. So if we start to see any change in tone or uh, just kind of how things are, are filmed, then we'll have to look back at this point and see if there's any correlation there. And this is the second movie in phase two of the Avengers timeline. Chronologically, this movie is after Iron Man 3, but it also happens... I think simultaneously as Iron Man 3 does, just on Asgard instead of on Earth. Start At least starting out on Asgard. They do go back to Earth. 
here and there. So I think this and Iron Man are hap- Iron Man three are happening pretty close to each other, if not at the same time. Um, Infinity Stones in this film, we are introduced to the Ether, which is the red mist-looking uh, power that we see. And that is the third Infinity Stone that we're introduced to. The first one being the Tesseract in Captain America, the first Avenger. And then we see the Mind Stone in the staff that Loki has that he brings to Earth in the Avengers. And with this film, we'll get into it in just a little bit. There's a lot of mythology that I really enjoyed in kind of explains where the infinity stones came from and what they what they are so we'll talk about that in just a minute a shield connection yes and no i want you to talk a little bit about that mark uh it's the same thing uh as the last one from iron man 3 that i there's no direct shield connection but it happens in the background if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't remember what season. It's been a while since I've uh, rewatched those. But if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the timeline goes right up to what, what's going on. And uh, they just kind of talk about it. It's not huge. Coulson's still involved. Um, but that's about it. And, you know, if I remember right, that's just there's not a ton of Agents and S.H.I.E.L.D. going on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other Avengers involved, we kind of see Captain America. Uh, Loki kind of portrays him, and he does this thing where he takes on the identity or the we see the, the visage of other characters, and Captain America is one that he takes. So we kind of see him, but not really. And mostly it's just Thor and Loki. Uh, as far as advancing... The story overall, as we know it, I think the biggest thing is it reveals this third Infinity Stone, the Ether, and its power and what it can do. And we kind of see some character development from Thor and Loki. Probably the biggest things as far as advancing the overall story. Uh, With the mythology of Thor in this film, there's some really interesting moments where Odin is kind of explaining things to Jane Foster as well as Thor. Uh, he's, he says that, you know, before the dawn of creation of the nine realms, the dark elves reigned unchallenged in the darkness. They came from the dark and they came to steal away the light. And Malekith was their leader and he made a weapon out of that darkness, which was the ether. And he possessed the ether and was, you know, on his way to destroying the nine, nine realms when uh, Bor, Odin's father, Thor's grandfather, he intervened and led an army to stop him. They ended up defeating Malekith and his army. And uh, one thing that the army, the Dark Elves army had was called the Cursed. And they were like super soldiers for the Dark <laughs> Elves. <laughs> they were these big, strong elves. Yep. They crushed a rock and it turned them red and apparently we need to come up with something like that because they're amazing they kill like every they kill like a hundred to every one of them that goes down yeah. uh, <laughs> but yeah 
Kind of strange. And they give, give their soul to it. Have you ever read – hey, you've read um, uh, uh, the Dumb Dragon book. <laughs> the Dumb <Gosh>. Dragon book. <laughs> you know Rand Althor? Oh, Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. Oh, my gosh. It's been so long. In Wheel of Time. Remember in Wheel of Time at the in the very last book when that – like uh, – is it – not Gwen – uh, one of the brothers, Elaine's brother. Okay, yeah, I don't remember his name. Um, Gawain. I don't Gawain, remember. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Remember at the end when he like takes that uh, thing and it kind of makes him like uh, uh, like shadowy when he fights. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, like misty and stuff like hiding. You know, be able, like an assassin. That's what these rocks reminded me of. Uh huh. Kind of made him a super soldier and stuff, but yeah. uh, no. The, but when I saw that, I was like, "Hey, it exactly reminds me of that." They they ripped it off. They ripped <laughs> it off people. Possibly, yeah. So these cursed were uh, hard to kill, but they ended up getting killed and defeating the the dark elves. And Malekith and his small crew they end up uh, fleeing and going going into hiding so they could fight another day. And then Bor and his people, the Asgardians, they they ended up hiding the ether somewhere in the film. It says deep where no one would find it. So, well, apparently they're not good at that. I know, because Jane Foster found it in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I I don't know. Maybe maybe when I rule Asgard, I, I'll do better. Who knows? Yeah, you need to do a better job of hiding those Infinity Stones. <laughs> well, and here's a big question too, and and this is, we'll get. I guess we'll get there. But how did Jane Foster hold the Aether without dying? Yeah, I think that the the Aether was just kind of want. It needed to. I think they explained it as the Aether fed off her life force until it was gone, and then. It would move on to something else. Hmm. So I think it wasn't an immediate thing, but if it would have stayed in her, she would have died eventually. Is the way they explained it. So hmm. okay. So yeah, so that's the the ether is one of the infinity stones. And it's from the infinity stones are from before the creation of the world of these nine realms. They're relics from before that predate the universe. And these relics often appear as stones, except for the ether. And the ether is fluid and ever changing, and it turns matter into dark matter. And it seeks out other life forms and draws strength from their life force. So that's kind of what it was doing to Jane Foster, where it's like a parasite. Inhabits a host, sucks them dry, and then moves on to something else. And we see in the, where they hid the ether, it was you know between two rocks. There wasn't anything living there, so it didn't really have a chance to to inhabit anything. I guess it just stays put unless there's something alive, then it attacks it. So, so a lot of uh, mythology in this film that we don't get in other films, like. There's nothing like this in Captain America or Iron Man or Hulk. Kind of explains 
the origin of the Infinity Stones, which is huge. And I think this is when they really started to go in that direction of the Infinity Stones. I think they kind of started it with uh, in the Avengers with the, the staff that Loki had. And then here they really started to expand on it. And that's when we started to see um, this whole mythology start to, to take place and become important in the Avengers timeline. So, uh, with, with Thor, we kind of see him, you know, he's, he's missing Jane Foster. He's not able to return to earth immediately due to the events that happened in the end of Thor, where he, you know, the rainbow bridge is destroyed. So he hasn't gone back to visit her. I think she said for two years, but, um, he's able to do that in this film. Plus, he feels kind of a responsibility that he needs to stay. Like, he needed to stay there and fight the the armies that were trying to overthrow the Nine Realms. I, I don't think we got any backstory on that. Just that they were trying to rebel and take over certain areas. So he needed to stay and, you know, bring order back to the Nine Realms. And then in, in this film, at the beginning, he he fights that last battle and is able to do so. Uh, he still checks in on Jane Foster through Heimdall. He's able to see her and kind of see what she's up to. That's uh, creepy. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a little creepy. Yeah. You, so you think you had a bad stalker? <laughs> you wait till Heimdall's watching you. Yeah. He can see all. <laughs> but on a serious note, why do you think like – I mean obviously for the storyline's sake, but why do you think Odin didn't want Thor to be with Jane Foster? Yeah. I think his reasoning was always, you know, she's mortal. She'll die in just a matter of years. You'll live hundreds of years if not longer. So he's trying to protect him from heartbreak, but it didn't work. That's yeah. That's what I took from it. Hmm. I've always kind of wondered, you know, because it's like, well, that's part of the nine realms, right? Yeah. But and what's weird, too, I've always thought that's weird is that it seems like they rule rule the nine realms with pretty, you know, a pretty uh, steady hand. Like, you know, everyone knows they're in charge. So why don't they have a presence on Earth? Yeah. I just think uh, they weren't there wasn't a need for it. I mean, they kind like of governed themselves or something. Yeah. They weren't powerful enough to, to try and attack other realms or other worlds. So they just kind of kept an eye on them. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. And then in this film at the beginning, we see Loki. He's brought back from earth to face his, his father, Odin for judgment. And they send him to jail to put him in the dungeon for the rest of his days. And that's kind of where he spends the first half of this movie is just hanging out, being bitter towards his dad and Thor and everybody. And back on Earth, we see Jane Foster. She's trying to move on from Thor. Like we said, it's been about two years. And so she started just dating other people. Um, we see this you know, pretty funny moment where she's on a date with this guy and they're not really connecting and it's awkward. And she's still thinking about Thor and you know she's just she just can't move on. She can't uh, get rid of of the memory of him, which is kind of funny. They only spent like a couple of days together, 
but you know she's smitten. <laughs> yeah, it's a love it first sight. Yep. Yeah, it's, I always thought that was weird too. It's like you think they had this huge, long, committed relationship, and he was down. You know, but that's what happens when you're a superhero, man. Girls yeah. will wait for you, I guess. Yeah. Two he's years. Got, he's got that mu- those muscles and that long hair. I mean, who wouldn't want to <laughs> wait for him? I'd wait for him. I oh yeah, what? <laughs> so <laughs> she's working on her experiments. They they uncover an anomaly. In the gravitational field is what I took from it. So she's there studying what's going on there in England. And they find something starts to change. So they go investigate it. And they see these weird things. You know, the buses, or the, not the bus, but the, the semis floating. And they can throw cans off the stairwell. And they disappear and come back and fall again. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Did you just throw the keys? <laughs> yeah. So these weird things are happening, and Jane kind of goes off on her own, and she gets sucked into this wormhole, I guess, and taking to exactly where the ether is. And of course, she goes and looks at it, and it attacks her, and it inhabits her body. So then, this is when Heimdall can't see Jane, so she, he tells Thor, "Hey, she's missing." So then he rushes down to Earth ends up finding her, and she sees him, she's happy, but then she slaps him. So you, you know, so you were supposed to come back. You said you were going to come back. So, but then she's happy to see him, and they ended up, they end up going back to Asgard because Thor realizes that something's wrong with her, and they, they take, he takes her back to Asgard, and this is when they find out, you know, hey, she's inhabited by the ether, it's this power, that's just going to keep growing and growing till it sucks her life force dry and she's going to die. And then... So she's there. Thor's there. Loki's there. And one of... At this point, when the Aether inhabits Jane, Malekith wakes up from his long slumber with his crew. And this is something that I found interesting. That, you know, the Dark Elves, they're from before the universe was created. They came from the dark. But yet they have this super advanced technology. They have these cool ships that fly around. And and they're invisible. Heimdall can't see them. Right. Yeah, they have this cloaking device type thing. They have laser guns. All this cool weaponry. And uh, it just, for me... It didn't match. They have all this power, but they couldn't defeat uh, the Asgardians, you know, thousands of years ago when they had all this tech, and they didn't. Well, and then they, like, invade the capital and just, like, smash it. Yeah, they right? have one ship, one huge capital ship, and they just come in and destroy everything. <laughs> and so, so make, it's like, I mean, what did... Asgard win because they had 10 billion people like to to 100 or something like how the crap did they win like they just get mowed down it wasn't even close it was like you know and I mean I guess something can be said when you you have a generation you know like five generations of people on straight war you're going to be better warriors but even still like they just like you said I mean these guys coming in with these like gravity grenades that are sucking them in and like they've got these weapons that are just mowing them down it's 
it's like, okay, yeah, come at me with your sword. Good luck. You know, I mean, but, uh, yeah, I always found that part really strange too, that it's, uh, yeah, it just, it just didn't match with, uh, you know, the first part of the movie when they're showing the history of things and then what's going on current day just didn't match. Mm-hmm. So, and Thor's supposed to be this great fighter, and he he couldn't handle him. So, so anyway, they infiltrate the palace, uh, take over things. And Malekith is after the Ether, which is in Jane Foster, and he's able to find her, but he doesn't capture her because of some trickery that they did, but Frigga, Thor's mother, ends up getting killed. And so... Well, she must have been a warrior, right? Yeah. I mean... She held she, her own. like... She threw down with Mal- Malkith or whatever and, and had him beat. Yeah. Yeah, and, that uh, uh, curse wouldn't have shown up. She would have won the day. Yeah, it was... Uh, I was like, oh, that, that was pretty awesome. But apparently she's the only good warrior in all of uh, Asgard. Yeah. She's the only one that was able to stop him. Yep. <laughs> so she gets killed by the cursed, and Malekith escapes. And so then Thor comes up with this plan to uh, trap Malekith. So, but Odin doesn't go along with it. He doesn't like it. So uh, Thor defies his father. He comes up with this elaborate plan where they escape him and Loki and Jane Foster, and they go to the Dark World which is the home of the Dark Elves, or at least it was thousands of years ago. And so they come up with this plan. Malekith shows up, and the plan doesn't work, and he's able to get draw the ether out of Jane Foster and take it into himself. And then the Cursed fights with Thor and Loki. He gets defeated, and in the process, they think uh, Loki's dead. You know, he does his trickery and pretends that he was mortally wounded and that he dies. And Thor's actually pretty heartbroken over this. You know, he's genuinely sad that his brother died. He thinks mm-hmm. he's dead. But this is all part of Loki's plan to overthrow Asgard once again. Because we see later in the film that he ends up going back to Asgard. And we don't see what happens to, to Odin. But he's able to overpower him with his trickery and takes the throne while Thor is away fighting Malekith. So Thor and Jane Foster go back to Earth because that's where Malekith is going, of course. I mean, he wouldn't go to any other world. He has to go to Earth to execute his plan, which is to release the Aether into all the Nine Realms at the same time due to a convergence being... Uh, occurring this convergence happens every few millennia and it happens to be happening now so he's able to attack all the nine realms at the same time with this ether so that's his plan he starts to execute it but jane foster intervenes with crazy dr selvig (laughs) yeah the dude's going nuts right he's like running around stonehenge naked and it, does it ever explain why, why he's like all addled in the brain or something? Because then after that, you know, when he gets out of the crazy home, he's just kind of like, okay. And then he just is normal-ish, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The only thing that said is that, you know, you he said something like, you try having a God in your brain. 
So some, you know, that experience where Loki touched him with the Mind Stone and took over his his mind, uh, it's a fallout from that. Is kind of the impression that they gave. Okay. They didn't, they didn't really state it outright, but that's kind of what it was hinted at. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, but like you said, once he gets out of the hospital, he's he's okay. Somewhat. He's still a little eccentric, but he's not crazy. He's not Mm. running around naked. (laughs) So they come up with this plan to use these gravitational poles somehow. And that's what the weapon they have to, you know, defeat Malekith as well as prevent the convergence from happening. Because if the convergence happens, then all the realms are in the same place at the same time and... You get all this crazy crossover that could cause all this destruction. We kind of see a little bit of it in the film with all these wormholes that, you know, jets are flying through. They go to other worlds. They come back. Birds are flying through these holes. Thor and Malekith are fighting. You know, they go from one world to the next, to the next, to the next, and back to Earth. And it was pretty, it was kind of a cool scene. But at the same time, it was pretty convenient that, you know, they kept disappearing and then coming back to Earth. Right. Mm-hmm. There's nine realms, and they only went to like three, and they always kept coming back to Earth every time. Yeah, yeah. Earth is—I don't know what it is about Earth, but <laughs> apparently everything must happen on Earth. Yeah. Yep. So uh, it'd be kind of cool if they did touch on that at some point, like in the Avengers film. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like. Why Earth? You know what I mean? I I mean, I guess it's the same way with DC movies, right? I think the only one that I've I've ever been, like, appreciative of, like, oh, this is why Earth, was Transformers. Because, you know, it's, uh, you know, they kind of explained, oh, this is why Earth. But why Earth in Marvel Universe? Who knows? Apparently, because that's where Captain America was born. Yeah. It's Grand Central Station. (laughs) Everything goes through Earth. Yeah, like you said, the fight the fight was pretty cool, but it was just like hopping around and always back at Earth, hopping around back at Earth. So you got this crazy big whatever running through downtown, then disappearing, then running through more downtown and disappearing. Yeah, yeah. So that was entertaining, but once you started to think about it, you're like, hmm, okay. But uh, so they're able to confront Malekith and. They throw Thor actually throws those poles into him and he starts to be defeated. And then Thor uses his hammer with lightning to hammer one into his chest. And he gets sent. At the same time, these gravitational poles would create a wormhole. And so when the one got hammered into his chest, he was taken back to the dark world as well as his huge ship. And that ship ended up falling on him and killing him. <laughs> and that's how it yeah. ends. Uh, so, I don't know. A lot of good things in this film. A lot of head-scratching things in this film. But I enjoyed parts... I really enjoyed parts of it. Like, the whole relationship between Thor and Jane Foster, I thought, was really well done. Uh, you kind of got the sense, you know, they finally are able to spend some time together in these quiet moments on Asgard. And she's introduced to... Uh, Odin and Frigga, you know, Thor's parents. 
and we see this relationship start to grow and kind of see that they there is a connection there. So I thought that was really well done and, and needed. And that was necessary for their their story. Um, and then the relationship between uh, Loki and Thor, uh, we still see that Thor still cares for Loki. Um, but Loki's still doing his, his scheming and his trickeries and you know he's still out for himself what about for you Mark what are some of the the points that you you liked or or disliked uh you know I I don't know that this movie did really too much more than bring in the the aether and some context yeah. Right. I mean, there were some cool fight scenes. Sure enough, you know. I mean, I want one of my favorite parts is when, right after Frigga dies, and then um, uh, Thor shoots the lightning at Malakis' face. You know, that was pretty cool. Um, the ending fight scene was all right. Same thing. It always bugs me. This world-ending event. There's this huge ship coming in. Only Thor can make it. <laughs> I mean, apparently Tony Stark can fly 50 of his Mark whatever's, you know, across half the world, you know, half the, you know, the entire breadth of the United States in five minutes, but he can't make it to London. So, um, or England or whatever, wherever they were at. Um, so that always bugs me. And then the fight was just like, I, I don't know, like I felt like. It was a cool fight, and then it was like, okay, we, Thor's got to win, so we're just going to end it yeah. in whatever way we can. And so it ended up being pretty anticlimactic ending, you know, to the fight. Yeah. Uh, and I and I didn't like that. Um, you know, I think there is a a lot of minuses in this one. I really do, um, because I think they could have told the story better. Or combined it with something as opposed to having this whole movie about all this ridiculous nonsense just to introduce the Aether, the ether and whatever. I mean even Jane Foster's part in it, it felt forced. It felt like, man, here we have this character. We've got to bring her in somehow or we have to make her a character. So we're going to have this ether take her over and have her be the main part. But I just felt like – I don't know. It just didn't – it, it was kind of silliness to to me, you know. I think they could have done it a million different ways, and for Thor, for Odin, not to even know that the ether's still alive, you know, still around, was was strange to me as well. Um, you would think that he would have some type of knowledge of the ether's whereabouts and what it is. I mean, I, I just don't know. I just felt it. It was half done storyline, like it was like crap, we've got to make this movie around this storyline and just just shove it full of story. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of head-scratching moments, uh, a lot of great moments. But overall, I think the movie suffered from the the moments that didn't gel with the others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you get when you change, you know, into the Disney, you know, you know Paramount to Disney is that now you've got different writers and different this, and they're trying to make it gel, but it just doesn't. And I think this is a, a great product of of what happens when when that kind of thing's going on. Yeah. Um, 
so I mean, I mean, there were some cool things like the cursed. I thought that was a cool idea. Um, I, I just like we talked about. It was really strange that you know this one ship pretty much destroys all of Asgard, and you know Asgardians were supposed to defeat him somehow, and oh, you know, like. Odin is like, I don't know, you think he's like going to get pissed off and do something, but he just chills in Asgard the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, he, he didn't know that they were down on Earth fighting, couldn't show up and, and help. You know, I I just don't understand. I don't get it. But um, definitely not my favorite movie. Um, it's just hard to say. Like I said, all we really got out of this movie was the ether and yeah. some story, yeah. story like yeah, so uh, for the Stanley moment of this film, we got Eric Selvig. He's in the the hospital, the mental hospital. They capture they captured him running around Stonehenge naked, and they take him to the the hospital. And he's in there explaining his idea of how to stop the convergence. He's all scientific and talking about all these theories. And you think he's in a classroom or a college teaching. But then they pan around to the audience that he's talking to, and it's a bunch of <laughs> patients in the mental institution. And one of the patients there is Stanley, and he, Dr. Selvig had been using shoes to explain his theories. So Stanley's like, hey, can I have my shoe back? Yeah, no, that was a pretty good part because he's just like – jibber jabbering and there's all these crazy fools watching him like scribble on this uh on this chalkboard <laughs> yeah oh my gosh no that's pretty funny yeah so there's that and then after credits scenes there's two of them um they've recovered the ether from malakith uh, they don't really show it but they sif and uh the other guy i can't remember his name volstag yeah. They go to visit the collector, which was another interesting part. Uh, we see him later in these these films. But they take the ether to the collector for safekeeping. And he has a vault there that he'll keep it there. And he says, you know, one down, five to go, referring to the Infinity Stones. So his goal is to collect all six of them for himself. He's going to be in the next one, right? I believe so, yeah. I mean, he has to be, right? Because uh, I think he still has one of them. Yeah, he would still have that one. And yeah, he would still have that one. And then you know something's got to happen with, um, where is it? Um, where are they? The Nova Corps. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to see the end of the Nova Corps. Yeah. And... Um, and then the rest are on Earth, right? Let's see. I wrote a list down. Because, well, the Tesseract, Loki has it. Right. And we learned that. If you haven't seen it yet, we learned that in Thor Ragnarok. Watch it. it it's a little part. I don't give anything up. But um, Loki has the Tesseract. Um, the Vision has the Mind Stone. Yep. Uh, the ether is the, the collector. collector. Yep. Now uh, the um, time stone has is Doctor Strange's amulet that he wears around oh, his neck. 
That's right. So, yep. Yep. So he has that. Then it's just the soul stone that they haven't defolded yet. And I think that, so the rumor is, is that that's the most powerful one. And I would think that, uh, um, what's his name? The bad Thanos. guy. Thanos has that. He has to, because yeah, there's just have no at least way one. He, gives, he gives one to Loki. He's not like, yeah, here, have my only infinity stone. Adios. You know, yeah. and, uh, um, he sends his one guy to to go get the one that the Nova Corps has. So I am a hundred percent positive he has the last one. Yeah, or at least he has control over where it's at, the very least. Yeah. And then, isn't there one more? Am I missing one? No, that's the six. So really, there's only I guess there's there's two on Earth: the Time Stone with Doctor Strange. Mindstone with Vision, and then Novacor has one, Loki has one, Collector has one, and then the Soul Stone. Yeah, but Loki's going to Earth, right? Yeah, so he's he headed to Earth. So, yeah, and I think it was in the trailer. There's some behind the scenes. There's some footage released that shows Loki with the Tesseract on Earth. I believe it's Earth, but he has it, and he's holding out to someone taller than him so I would imagine he's giving it up to to Thanos so is Loki going to fight for the bad team this one like legit <sighs> who knows I mean he's always so wishy-washy right he's he's grey depending on who has the upper hand mm-hmm. yeah so. it'll be, be so that's the first after credit scene, the next one is Jane Foster's in her apartment eating some cereal. Thor shows up finally. They hug and kiss, have a moment. And then it goes to uh, the frost monster that, you know, was transported to Earth when all the, the, the holes that were opened between the realms, he ended up coming over. And he's there chasing birds, running around. In England, it's chilling, <laughs> and that's how the the, the scene ends. So. Yeah, because that that makes sense. That, yeah. That's that's what I'd do. I mean, if one of those were, run, I just hey, have at it. It's England. Who cares? Yeah. They lost the war once already. It's cool. Yeah. So, uh, like we said, a lot of good moments, a lot of not so good moments. I I can't remember where I ranked this. I made a ranking before I saw this movie like a couple weeks ago. And I think it was a little high on my list. And after watching it again, it's it's kind of, it's in the bottom half, bottom third, I would say. Yeah, easily, I think. I mean, there are some good moments, and I think that's what I was remembering when I was ranking them before. But as a whole, uh, yeah, this just doesn't hold up. doesn't hold up well. No, just because I think of the lack of what it does for the whole story is down for me. I think the lack of a common sense storyline, you know, this uh, these amazing dark elves with amazing technology, you know, um, that doesn't make sense to me. It really bothers me. It's going to bother me at the time because they make this over and over that world ending event, only one hero, you know, um, but uh, that bothers me. Um, just a lot of uh, 
just weak, uh, not weak storytelling, just like filler storyline just to make something happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could have said, you know, you could have introduced the, the ether a different way or coupled it in a, you know, a different way. I don't know what you could have done, right? I'm not a movie writer, but it just seemed really weak to me as when you look at the whole thing as a whole, you know, look at all the different storylines, what's brought to the table. And yeah, this is near, near the bottom for me. Like you said, definitely bottom third, I think, uh, for me, but, um, it had some great things in it, I think, but I, I, I really did give this one. If average is a C, I've got to give this like a C minus or a D yeah. plus, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm giving it a C minus. So yeah, definitely below average. Um, it, some sweet fight scenes, though, right? You got to give it some bonus points for some cool fight scenes, but I mean that that can't even save the day. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So we want to thank you guys for joining us for our Marvel Avengers rewatch episode 8, Thor The Dark World. If you have a different opinion of Thor The Dark World or any of the other uh, movies in the rewatch series 1 through 7, definitely let us know on our Facebook page. Uh, You can email us. Uh, We are accepting listener feedback that if you send us an email at randomangst at me.com or even better, the credulous nerds at gmail.com. We will read your emails and we'll talk about them on the show, whether it's uh, these rewatch series or on our main show. You know, let us know what you think of this film and other films and we'll have a discussion about it. So we do want to thank you guys for listening and you can always find us on facebook.com slash the credulous nerds as well as on our website, thecredulousnerds.com randomangst.com and uh, on Twitter at Credulous Nerds on Instagram and you can listen to all of our podcasts on soundcloud.com we have this Marvel Avengers series Marvel Avengers rewatch series uh, going on on SoundCloud as well as a Middle Earth Saga series you can listen to if you're into Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit And then we also have our regular show uh, where we talk about anything and everything nerdy from movie trailers to movies to books to comics to TV shows. You know, we try and cover anything that's that's good or bad even. So give us a listen. Let us know what you think. And stay tuned next time for episode nine. Nine. Uh, Winter Soldier's next. Oh, good. And then Guardians of the Galaxy. One and two. And then Daredevil. Apparently Daredevil and Jessica Jones happens before Age of Ultron. Oh yeah? That's interesting. Okay. Does your list have Guardians of the Galaxy one and two back to back? Yeah. I show number 19, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then... Number uh, 20, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 right after that. Uh, and that both of those come before Age of Ultron. Huh. And then after Age of Ultron, I show Ant-Man, then Civil War, Doctor Strange, Ragnarok, Spider-Man, and then Black Panther. Yeah. yeah how, do you, so, how do you have it? Same way. Okay. 
I just didn't think Guardians 1 and 2 came were back to back yeah kind of strange right it, you think there's more time but yeah chronological order that's what I show it as so next up our Marvel Avengers rewatch series number 9 which is Captain America the Winter Soldier and that's one of my favorite films if not my most favorite film I will see as I rewatch it if I'm still into it or not because <laughs> I, I remember liking this one uh, but then on the rewatch I like I said earlier it just didn't do it for me anymore so we'll see how the Winter Soldier goes and we'll be reviewing that next time so thank you guys for listening you guys have a good night see you guys